0: Hey, this is Russ Adcox, lead pastor at Murray Hills Church. This month, we're doing a series called Launch, which is about how to reconnect to your faith or how to grow spiritually. I hope you enjoy.
1: That song is absolutely amazing. It is a sweet reminder to us that we serve a God who is with us no matter what we experience in life. When we're experiencing the joys and the sorrows, that he is there come every battle. That story is based on, I mean, that song is based on the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that you can find in Daniel chapter 3, if you're not familiar with that story. I don't know about you all this morning, but that story, I mean, that song spoke to me in a very, very special way this morning. It has been a very heavy week as we have um, just gone through the stress of an ongoing pandemic, as we've watched the news reels of what's going on around the country. As I think about our friends, our partners in Belize who are struggling financially because of the ongoing and lingering pandemic and what that looks like in a third world country. The flooding that happened here yesterday and the new stories of the lives that were lost and all the property and the people that woke up today with their lives totally shattered and different than yesterday. Then there's Haiti. Then there's Afghanistan. There's so much brokenness going on in the world and sometimes it seems so heavy. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed because we feel like there is nothing we can do in addition to prayer, in addition to using our resources to help our community and the world. But I wanna remind you today that prayer is a very powerful weapon. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God whose heart also breaks with the things that break ours. So this morning, before we open up the word of God, I want us to stop and I want us to pray with those things that are heavy on my heart this morning. And that doesn't even include the personal things that you all are experiencing. I know some things that are going on in our community People have lost lives, people are stressed in their jobs, people are having financial issues. So I can even imagine on top of all the things that are broken in this world, what you are experiencing personally. So let's stop before we jump into the word this morning and let's pray. Father, I thank you for the reminder this morning that we are not alone, that you are always with us in the fire. God, that sweet reminder of that story to me was so soothing for my soul. A reminder that in times we can't see you, God, that we can feel you and know that you're there. I just ask that your presence will be with everyone in this room this morning, no matter what they're going through, what they're experiencing. I know there's so much grief and loss in this season. God, I just ask that they will feel your presence. God, I ask you to be with our friends and our family, your sons and your daughters all over the world who are hurting, who are experiencing things that we've never experienced. For the stories I read about Christians in Afghanistan, who are holding steady, just waiting to meet you. And then I remember the freedom that we have today to meet in this room, to open your word, to learn more about you. God, may we take that seriously and not for granted. God, I ask that you will meet us here Today, wherever we are, wherever we're, whatever we're going through, whatever we, we are experiencing, God, will you show us in your word how you want us to be more like you? If nothing else, the devastation that I see on the news, the heartbreak that I hear about in our communities reminds me how much more you need the church to be like you so they can experience your love, and your joy and your peace, that I ask that I will step back and that you will speak through me today. You will divide this word to everyone listening, whether in the room or online, and that we will walk away today not just hearing your words, God, but with a conviction to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God for waterproof makeup and mascara, right? <sighs> This past month, we have been doing a series called Launch Connecting and Reconnecting with Your Faith. It has been a really, really great series. We've talked about spending time with God, spending time with others, and it has been really sweet to be able to dig into the Word in this new way when it is a time and a season we can reconnect with God and who, learn more about who He is and our place in the kingdom. There's one thing that I noticed every week there seems to be a running theme. In order to spend time with God, in order to spend time with others, God is calling all of us to intentionally slow down and make room for him in our schedules. And today, what God is calling us to also requires that we slow down as well. So we've talked about spending time with God through prayer and reading our Bible, through worshiping together. We talked about how God created us all to live in community. He did not create us to do life alone. And Russ said last week, which really spoke to my soul, is that community is essential and it is also messy. So in a healthy community, everyone has to work together in their strengths and rely on the strengths of the people around them for support. We are not made to do life alone. We need each other. So today we're talking about how we use our gifts to serve one another so that we can continue to build a healthy community. I had a conversation with a friend this week. We were talking about the series and just the different things that we've learned. And that friend asked a question. And he said, why is it that it's so hard for us to consistently create rhythms where we're spending time with God, where we're spending time with others, or in general, why is it so hard for us to apply what we learn on Sundays to our actual lives? So he and I talked about that conversation a little bit, then after, after he left, I thought a little bit more about what he said. Why is it hard for me to consistently put those things into my life? I know it's busy. We have busy schedules all the time. Sometimes we don't focus. We may get into a routine, and then it you know just kind of goes away to the side. And sometimes we'll hear a message via church or a podcast or listen to a, a speaker online, and we hear it, and we're like, that's great, I need to apply it. But soon after, it's out of sight, out of mind. And as I thought through this and I prayed through this and I longed for the church to look more like Jesus, I thought perhaps the reason why I am not as consistent as I'd like to be, maybe you understand how I feel as well. And I thought maybe the church as a whole thinks that the words that Jesus commands of us are not commands, but merely suggestions. If you want to, you can spend time with me. If you feel like it, you can forgive others. If you're up to it, you can love others as I have loved you. But if we are followers of Jesus, if we claim to be, want to be like him more and more every day, we have to understand that his words are commands to us. They are authoritative orders. They're not suggestions. In John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And if we're being completely honest, that makes a lot of us uncomfortable because we really don't want anybody to tell us what to do. Sometimes that even means Jesus. It's hard to say, it's hard to hear, but based on my inconsistent actions and maybe yours, sometimes it's true. We have the best intentions, but we do not follow through. Sometimes, based on our church history or experience, we may feel like when we hear the word commandment, we get a little stressed and tight because we have been told that we must live to the letter of the law, but that is not what faith is. We obey God because we love him. It is the way we respond to his redemptive work on the cross for our sins. It's how we move from talking about God to showing and obeying him because we love him. Our obedience to who he is is not motivated by law. It is motivated by love. We don't always get it right. But God is asking us to continually do what he's asking us to do so that we can grow towards him to look more like him. And as we look at our broken world this is the only way by obeying him that the world will see and experience the man that we claim to follow there are examples of christ's commands for sacrificial love and service that we're talking about today all throughout scripture but today we're going to look at a story in john chapter 13. in this chapter john takes us through the final teachings of jesus so when someone is about to leave this earth you want to listen very carefully to the words let's see what what jesus is telling the disciples in john chapter 3 verses 1 through 17 it was just before the passover festival jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I have been in church since I was a little girl. I've heard this story probably hundreds and hundreds of times, but as I studied this story this week, so many things stood out to me in a new way so the beginning of that story says that jesus was knew that he was coming to the end he loved them to the end and he knew he had to go to his father so this story takes place right after the last supper and historians believe that this um, washing the feet happened 18 hours before jesus was crucified When I read that, it made me understand and mourn with the disciples in a different way. I couldn't imagine what it must have been like to experience this intimate moment with Jesus where he washed their feet, and then 18 hours later, he was gone. I can't imagine what that must have been like for them. It must have been a whirlwind of experiences. So this story is is, is centered around foot washing, And so foot washing during this period um, was done only by servants, and the very lowest of the servants. It was a very demeaning and degrading thing to do. They wore sandals back then. They walked most everywhere they went, so their feet were always dusty and dirty. So it was common when you entered a home to wash your feet in the basin, with a basin. So um, they had never heard of the person in higher authority washing the feet of the person in lower, lower authority. And so when Jesus took off his outer robe, put on the servant's towel, and being washing their feet they were all in shock what are you doing i'm supposed to be doing this for you not the other way around so i can imagine the shock in the room that happened as jesus began serving the disciples in this way it doesn't tell us the conversation between between jesus and any of the other disciples except for simon peter I can only imagine what, imagine what it must have been like for him sitting there waiting for his turn. As he watched the emotion of the other disciples as Jesus gently took their feet in his hands and washed them. I can imagine that he remembered the day that Jesus called him a fisherman to be a fisher of men. He probably thought about the day that Jesus called him out of the boat to walk on water... He probably thought about how much his life had changed since the day that he met Jesus. And he probably also thought about how much changing he still had to do. And then it was his turn. Jesus comes and stands in front of him. He looks him in the eye. I can only imagine what that must be like. He probably didn't say a word, but I bet he spoke a thousand in silence. And then he bent down to wash Peter's feet, and Peter says, You shall never wash my feet. In that moment, he felt the unwavering, all consuming love of Jesus, and that made him feel unworthy. But Jesus said, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. So Peter says, If that's the case, then God, give me a whole shower. Jesus says, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. The bath that Jesus is referring to in this part of the story is he's talking about salvation. So when we become a believer, Jesus washes away our sins and we become clean because we have given our lives to him. He is the only one that washes away our sin. He was telling Peter that You cannot be made whole in your own right or in your own way. Only Jesus can make you whole. And they had no idea that this moment of sacrifice as he became a servant for them was just a foreshadowing of the cross where he would die for their sins and the sins of the entire world. So when Jesus referenced washing their feet, he was telling Peter that you don't have to have a bath. Once you become a believer, your actions don't take away your salvation, but washing your feet means that you need to consistently address the parts of your life that make you dirty. A reminder that we, as believers, have to intentionally fight the struggles, whatever they are in our lives, the addictions, the habits, so that we can live more like Jesus. We can do that by applying what we, what we learn through, wor- through the word on Sunday mornings or through our own Bible study. We can cleanse ourselves by being obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Maybe cleansing your feet is talking to a trusted friend or a pastor To confess a sin that you've been struggling with over and over and over again that no one knows about. If it's no longer a secret, then that gives you accountability to help you through your struggle. Or maybe you have no idea what Peter experienced in that moment because you've never experienced the cleansing power, the salvation of Jesus Christ. You've never experienced that all-consuming, unwavering type of love that only can come from our Holy Father. If that is you, pray and ask the Lord to meet you exactly where you are today. Sometimes the enemy can tell us that we have to get this, this, and this right before we can even come to Jesus. But as Peter knows, Jesus takes us just as we are. So after the disciples experience this moment with Jesus, he looks at all of them and he says, Now that I have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. You should serve others the way I have served you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them for others. So if we have given our lives to Jesus then we are commanded, not suggested, to serve those around us. But not just serve them, but with the same humility, kindness, and grace that we have received from Jesus. And the one very amazing thing about this story, when I read it over and over again, that's so surprising to me, is that Jesus even washed the feet of Judas. The one he knew that was about to betray him and give him over to be killed. That is the most convicting part of this story. The past year and a half, I've had a lot of moments of anger, of sadness, of grief, even this week if I'm being completely honest. Of people who claim to follow him but don't act like him. And I read this story of how Jesus humbled himself to wash the feet of Jesus, to wash the feet of Judas. And I remember that I have no right to hold anger towards anyone for what they've done to me, what they've done to someone else what they are currently doing and that I am to pray and ask God to be more like him Jesus' example to us is that we are to love and serve not only our friends but also those we view as our enemies, those who have hurt us in the past, those who are currently being unkind to us he is calling us, he is commanding us to love and serve. But don't be mistaken, in loving your enemies, you need to have safe boundaries. (laughs) Sometimes you need to love your enemies from a distance because God is not calling you to put yourself in harm's way mentally or physically. You can forgive someone that you are not physically close to. You can love from a distance. This example of self-giving love can become a natural part of our community. Wouldn't that be amazing? Those that claim to follow after Jesus and imitate his love to the entire world. When I pray for revival, it is simply that we as believers, would love the world, would love each other like Jesus commands of us. Imagine how different the world would be if we who claim to follow him actually loved like he does. That would be absolutely radical. Now, what does it look like for us to use our gifts to serve one another? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight and I'm gonna summarize that for us a bit. Verse six says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. Lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We discover our gifts by spending time with God, by spending time with others, and God commands us to use whatever gifts he has given us. He has given each one of us a gift. To use. I met a wonderful family this week, the Blade family. Their story is absolutely amazing. They are a modern day example of this story where God shows us to use our gifts to serve others. And they found out that their sweet son has a miraculous gift that he's going to share with us this morning. It reminds us that we have no excuse but to obey God's command to love and serve those around us. So right now we're going to watch the story, the testimony of Miss Darlene Blade, and then after that, Logan is going to bless us with his gift. Good
0: morning. My name is Darlene Blade. My husband and I are from Cullioka, Tennessee. Uh, We uh, got married when we were 16 years old and it's something you don't hardly hear of these days of kids getting married but we were uh, married at 16 and just this last uh, couple weeks ago we just celebrated 46 years of marriage so that in itself is a task in this, this day and time we waited 16 years before we decided to have a child Logan was born seemingly normal past all of his major milestones he was saying yes and no and mama and daddy and we were just on top of the world. And then it's almost like he went to bed one night and the next morning he got up and we, could, we noticed regression. We noticed that he was not a happy baby anymore, which he was always happy. Um, he lost his eye contact, he lost his words he was just a shell of himself. And uh, so we, we thought maybe he had, he had gone deaf. Maybe he was deaf. So we had him tested. He was not deaf. We got into Vanderbilt and found out that he was, uh, he was diagnosed with autism. Autism is um, it's a brain disorder. It's a social disorder. Uh, Logan has no, uh, he just don't want to socialize. He has no light and he has very little language, no community no of language at all but um, the Lord put that child here for a special reason. Uh, Logan has a gift uh, we, we sent him to school he went to Kaliooka school and he uh, did did well he had a full-time assistant a one-on-one assistant the whole time, and uh, he did wonderful. The, um, let me back up a little bit. One, one of the, the, the characteristics of autism, he, he we, were, we, we still today try to pull words out of him, try to get him to say things, and uh, that's just a normal activity with us. He came to me one day and was pulling at me, and I was like, Logan, you've got to tell me what you want. You've got to try to use your words. And he said the word hick. And he was about three years old at this time. And he said, he, I said, Hick. he said, Hick. And he pulled me to the refrigerator and hi, Hick. And there it is, High C. Logan was reading. And he would, he would lay the newspaper down and turn it like an adult at the age of three. So he was reading at the age of three, High C. You know, it was like, you know, we were fiberglassed. When he was in speech therapy, he couldn't put a blue peg in a blue box, or a red peg in a red box, until they turned around and let him read the words. Once he read the words, he could do what he was supposed to. So while he was in school, he, we had a, a very special music teacher. Uh, Terry and I are not musical, but he put this music teacher from Ardmore, Alabama, to Tennessee schools. I always say that he put her there just for us. Where a lot of autistic children rock, Logan hummed for self-stimulation. And she said, Darlene, do you realize he is humming in perfect pitch? And I said, I don't even know what that is because I was not musical. She said, let me work with him for, you know, for a little bit. So, so she worked with him and was able to pull those words out. Now, grant you Logan does not speak to you in conversation. He will say hi and, uh, uh, He will repeat things you tell him to, but as far as social conversation, community conversation, he does not have that. He will not carry on a conversation with you. So, uh, with her working with him, uh, he he has um, been on the Grand Ole Opry with Josh Turner.
2: Y'all please make welcome Mr. Logan Blade. It sounds so good. But I must stay away. That train is a beauty, He is saying with the National
0: Symphony. He is saying all the way from Florida to Washington, DC. And uh, we all have a gift. You just uh, have to find out what your gift is. Uh, they have a gift. All special needs children, they have a gift. It's our job as parents and teachers and educators to find out what their gift is. Um, We were just so blessed that God put that one teacher in our life that made such a difference. Find out what your gift is, and are you using it for God's work? Are Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing with the gift that God gave you?
2: I ever do that was worth loving you for the kind you, Lord, if you think there's a way I can try to repay all I've taken from you Baby, Lord, I can show someone else What I've been through myself on my way back to you, Lord, help me, Jesus. I wasted it, so help me, Jesus. I know what I am. Now Souls in your hands. Jesus, my souls in your hands. I take for granted what God's given me, and if I understand the songs I sing. Well, I may never have that conversation with you here to help you figure out the thoughts I think. But we all have a purpose, and I'm grateful for the gift. Voice I found the music that I love It may be the only way I know to speak to you right now But someday there's no way you'll shut me up I'm a man of few words but I've got a lot to say might not understand me, but God hears me when I pray. It's from my heart to heaven. Jesus, when I talk to God, but when I get to heaven, Lord, I'm gonna till it dawn. I know mama dad don't like to get inside my head When I can't answer questions that they have I know how much they love me or oh, Lord knows if I could i tell them just how much I love them back I'm a man of few words, but I've got a lot to say. You might not understand me, but God hears me when I pray. It's from my heart to heaven's ears when I talk to God. But when I get to heaven, Lord, I'm gonna tell you that all the my heart to heaven years when i talk to god but when i get to heaven lord i'm gonna tell it all
1: Thank you so much, Blade family, for sharing your story with us and allowing us to witness and be a part of the miracle that is Logan. Um, As he was singing, I was just crying, as I always do, (laughs) remembering that there is no excuse um, for me when obeying Jesus' commands, whether it is serving and using our gifts like we talked about today or everything he tells us in his word. He is calling us to be more like him and that is no better way to end our service today than hearing logan use his gifts to serve jesus as we close this morning logan it has um, cds available for purchase out in the main lobby and also today at 12 30 he's going to do a special concert in our hangout room which is a youth ministry room at the very end of the hallway that will be at 12 30 so they're asking if you'd like to attend just go grab lunch for takeout and eat it as you watch the concert, but we're so excited that he is blessing us with his gift for a little bit longer today. So thank you all for being with us. I pray that each and every one of us will wake up every morning and ask God, how can I obey your commands in my life today? Have a wonderful week. Thank you.